Hello and welcome to Living the Queen Life, a podcast by Queen of My Own Universe. I'm your host, Margaret Foley, and I am the Queen of My Own Universe. Living the Queen Life podcast showcases the stories of ordinary women doing extraordinary things and brings to you advice, helpful tools and tips and inspiration about how you too can live a life that you love. I believe that every woman is the queen of her own universe, and I'm on a mission to empower you to believe in and lean into your full potential. Think, feel, and live like a queen. There's no one as special as you. Welcome to another episode of Living the Queen Life. In this episode, I am joined by a lady who I credit with helping to change the path of my life and that of my family. I'm talking with coach extraordinaire Heidi Conway, founder and CEO of Alternative Education for Raising Changemaker Teens. I first met Heidi in early 2021 when I was struggling to parent my teenager who was entirely disengaged from school, starting to go down some dangerous paths and impacted with some mental health challenges. Heidi became my mum coach, teaching me the concept of holding space for my children, how to tune into my mum intuition and trust it again. She then went on to become my Marg coach and was a pivotal part of my own healing and my decision to start Queen of My Own Universe. Now, while some people might know Heidi as that homeschooling lady, she is so much more than that, a passionate advocate and a living example of the benefits and outcomes of self-directed learning and helping teenagers to discover their passions and the learning pathways that suit them best. Hardy says school is optional, learning is not. In her role as a coach to mothers of teens, Hardy shares how effectively and to compassionately communicate with teens and how holding space for teens isn't about having no boundaries and instead is about giving them a safe space to discover themselves or while living in alignment with personal and family values. In addition to being an incredible coach and storyteller, Heidi is also a co-author of the Amazon number one best-selling book, A New Paradigm of Education Rising, and also in the book, The Women Changing the World. She is also a singer-songwriter with her beautiful song, Love is the Key. I highly recommend following Heidi's Facebook page, Alternative Education for Raising Changemaker Teens for resources, advice and updates on her upcoming programs for mums and teens. So Heidi Conway, welcome to Living the Queen Life podcast. Great to be here, Mark. Thank you. I am so excited that we are finally getting to do this because you and I are notorious for managing to not get our schedules (laughs) to align. But you're here and we're going to have an interesting conversation today, which is going to be something a little different to we have not covered this topic on Living the Queen Life podcast um, before. And I know it's a really important one. And I know that there's a lot of mums and parents, but mums in particular, who really struggle with this topic of teens and education and engagement and and for their teens and for themselves as mothers um, of teens. So just for clarity for everybody, I, gosh, how long ago? It's a year and a half ago, I guess, 18 months ago, I was first introduced to Heidi by a mutual friend who was aware of my own personal situation with uh, teenage boys, teenage son, who was really struggling with fitting in and engaging in the mainstream school environment. He was bright and intelligent, but he had some mental health challenges and 
school just wasn't for him. School couldn't accommodate his needs. He was just floundering in it. And so I was introduced to Heidi as somebody who could maybe help me and guide me in how I could work with my teen, what alternatives we could consider. And she certainly did do that. Um, And our conversations, you know, eventually led to me feeling empowered to be able to consider alternative education pathways for my son, which eventually involved withdrawing him from mainstream school um, in 20, gosh, when did we do that? 2021. Um, And then that relationship morphed into as Heidi was coaching me about how to work with my son, like you turned into my mum coach and then you turned into my coach coach and I was like getting mum advice from you and I was saying to people I've got a mum coach this is so cool and then you became my, my coach as well my own life coach and personal coach and Heidi dear listeners is probably one of the people who was most influential in, in helping me to really figure out who the hell I am who is Marg and what should she be doing in her life? And Heidi was the first person that I told that I was quitting my job. And I, that was a pretty still special moment that, that we shared. Oh, yeah. Yes. Still remember that day. Yes. <laughs> that was great. I think we so, let off a popper, didn't we? <laughs> I think we did. I think we did. There were certainly lots of poppers going off inside my heart as I'm like, hey, Heidi, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. You're like, what? <laughs> this was awesome. So... Um, I certainly know the value of the work that you do. It has been personally deeply impactful for me and for my family. Um, And I think this is a great time for us to now share what the work that you do with with other mums. And I know plenty of other mums who struggle with their teens from an education perspective, from an engagement perspective, from a who are they and what do they want and what lights them up and helping live our ki- help our kids to live in alignment and with, with ease. Um, and as a mum, how do I do it a little more easily for myself as well? So maybe maybe take us back, you know, and how did – so Changemaker Teens Global, tell us about that as, as the business and where did your interest in helping teens um, – figure out who they are and what do they want to do and what makes them special and what lights them up. Where did all of this come from for you? All right. Thank you so much, Marg. And it's, uh, it was wonderful to go back down memory lane there with you and how we uh, how we met and got together. So uh, very, very exciting to be here. So um, back, well, my sons, I've got three sons. Uh, two went, uh, sorry, one went completely through mainstream school and he's now at university. And my other two sons, um, well, when are 18 and 15, when they were 11 and 8, I was told by the school, by uh, the teacher, that my 11-year-old was not writing. And there was a stage that I received an email to say, look at this writing piece that Matthew did do, but he actually didn't write it. I He dictated it and I wrote it, but the story is so great. It's amazing. And, you know, and I, this was in grade six and I read through it mm-hmm. and there were many different stories in there. So, yep, that was great. And unfortunately, uh, the email went on to say, unfortunately, he couldn't finish it because he only had 40, we only had 40 minutes um, because uh, we're preparing for NAPLAN. 
next year. We're preparing for NAPLAN, only allowing 40 minutes, but mm-hmm. boy, is this a great story. So he was trying to encourage Matthew and share that with the mother, you know, a prestigious private school here in Queensland, Australia. So, and I'd just like to qualify right at the beginning because I know Queen and, um, you know, be the queen of your own universe includes that you have been speaking to queens all over the world, globally as well. So it's um, so they don't think that we, you know, we we don't aren't including them as mums by using the mums word. Let's say moms or mothers, or if we say mums in this interview, <laughs> we mean mothers and moms as well, all over the world, or however absolutely, you refer to yourself absolutely. as queen of your family. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that at the beginning. All right. So, and then the eight-year-old I was told was just not focusing. I don't know how many times the grade three teacher told me that, you know, your little Josh is just not focusing. And, and so I'd be one of those mums who'd get the focus oil and put it under the socks before the school shoes went, went on and, and pointed my (laughs) finger and said, you know, it's a must. You, you need to focus more, sweetheart, you know, please focus. Um, it's only there for a little, you're only there for a little while, but please focus. So I had one not writing or told that one wasn't writing mm-hmm. and one wasn't focusing. And and so I knew that my 11-year-old could write and I knew my 8-year-old could focus. Was brilliant at maths. Mm-hmm. Gosh, he was one of the the top 4 out of 3 grade uh 3 classes. He received the A+ plus for maths. I knew he could focus. Wow. Mm-hmm. But yeah. They just, he wasn't focusing on all the English and the history and the, you know, the SOS and yeah. whatever else, um, the language, etc. So, or it appeared that he wasn't. So I, you know, my big boy was about to go into high school. And so I decided to investigate. There was another mum I knew as part of the Scouts who homeschooled her four girls and I always like got teary and my eyes welled up listening to her stories about the joy they were having and the music they were playing and the, and the outings they went on and, you know, the writings they were doing. So I went, I'd love to do that, but no, I can't do it. I don't know, you know, if some listeners might have thought about, you know, home education or homeschool before and they go, oh, sounds good, but I couldn't do it full time, you know, just through, during COVID was was enough. And by the way, that's enough. <laughs> yes, and, and that was enough, but it wasn't what we refer to as homeschool. Mm-hmm. You know, it was yes. school at home. So that's another story. So um, when when it was getting tricky for my boys, I thought, well, maybe there is a different way. What about if I just take him out of school? I was already a life coach. And had been since, and have been since two thousand and one. So I thought, well, what about if I could help him and get his confidence up, get him writing again, and then he's all ready to go back till grade seven. And I'm not going to go driving twice, like driving for one child. And you know, we might be wanting to go on an outing or something. So I took both kids out when they were. So this was back in two thousand and four, fifteen, two thousand and fifteen. They they both came out of school. All right, so meant to be for seven months and within I took the eldest out first because he is actually neurodiverse and I took him out a week early so that he got used to that change and then brought the second child home a week later and within two weeks we knew that we wanted to do this forever and and like till grade 12 and or when however long it was going to be. 
So I actually threw <laughs> we've got some crash mats that they used to jump on and we sat down on those mats and I and I said, you know, if you knew what you were on the planet for, if you knew why you were here, why why are you here? And without thinking, because I guess I've always had the coaching language in the house and, you know, just natural that I asked them questions they both came straight away and said you know the eldest wanted to remove the rubbish cars off the road and design and manufacture a new car and the younger wanted to invent something small with a big impact on people <laughs> which I actually was quite nervous about at the time because he was into explosives he really liked uh, the idea of explosives um so I was a bit nervous but okay we said well let's hot let's let's follow that pathway with our eyes ears and hearts open and see where that goes so you know we started with learning the industrial revolution and talking about machines and looking at the qualities of an inventor and if you wanted to be an inventor you know what what do we need to learn about and how do we need to strategically think and problem solve and we needed to be aware of problems in the world and you know for what we wanted to invent what would make a big impact on people so and also when um, we found out that people's bodies were getting a bit immune to antibiotics we said wow what could we do about that so we just discussed life you know and I discussed that with the then eight-year-old and he said because I said the importance of that or what we discovered with the antibiotics when we did research and that's what the grade three teacher said both teachers supported home education the actual grade six teacher was a little bit envious and he said if I could financially I'd take my kids out of school too and um, home educate them um, so he, he supported it. And the grade three teacher said, if you teach them anything, teach them research skills, just research skills, because mm, it doesn't yes, matter what they yes. learn about. That's all you need to know. And and which is which is interesting because I don't know about you, Marg, and, and listeners, that when you went to school, we were told you've got to memorise this, you've got to learn this just in case mm-hmm. it's on the test, just in case you yes. need this later on just in case you need this when you want to get into uni, just just in case. So our whole learning was about just in case. And when you teach a child research skills and when they learn the joy of learning and research skills, they then, um, it's just in time. You know, we do it all the time, you know, just ask Google. Just, just in the yeah. time you need the information, look it up, you know. <laughs> we yes. were told that yes. you... You know, you'll you won't have a calculator, so you've actually got to f- know things. You won't have a calculator when you're older. So, <laughs> well, we proved them wrong, didn't we? Hey, or the inventors did yep. of phones. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so that was part of the process. The really how I started, and then of course you asked, how did I get into Changemaker Teams? Mm-hmm. Well, they grew up. <laughs> My kids became teens. (laughs) And so where I was always supporting mums in helping them with their plan and their education plan, et cetera, and after going through some learning myself and asking lots of the other mums that were already home educating before me, I, uh, I, I, uh, the boys turned 14. Well, the eldest one turned 14 and I lost him on any curriculum at all. So I think this happens from... From my clients and, you know, I'm on a few sites of 
raising teens and raising teen boys and raising teen girls. It, something happens, obviously. You know, we say hormones happen and you lose your child for a while and they go down, you know. But when my eldest turned 14, I couldn't hold him on any sort of curriculum, even in line with what he really wanted, well, what I thought he wanted to do at the beginning. Because remember I said, we'll go down with our eyes, ears, hearts open. I did music, one side of that, and business skills and entrepreneurship down the other side. So I, they're the core things, plus our, you know, uh, education and living our values as well mm. and our our relationship with with God that we have as well. So less about religion, but definitely about a relationship with God. So that was all in their education, in their learning all the time. So um, when it got to when it got to the point of 14 and I couldn't hold him on any sort of curriculum at all, but he was a drummer and we'd been in, in um, interstate um, competitions for his drumming in the band and Josh was doing the bass in the same band and Matt was the – and then he started teaching, the oldest one started teaching himself all different musical instruments. So he found a guitar in the garage and then he wanted a bass and then, um, you know, a, a um, banjo came into it and a ukulele <laughs> and, of course, the harmonica and the, um, the – what's the other one? The kazoo, kazoo is it? Kazoo? Kazoo? Or kazoo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's every... a kazoo. That's random. <laughs> Yes, I know every instrument he could. Oh, the keyboard, of course, the keyboard. So um, yeah, and I, and I went. This is great. He's teaching himself. Gone is maths and English. Still doing a bit of reading at this stage. Um, but this was the main thing he's doing. And and I just said, well, you know, love, that's fine. And yet it has to mean something because how you've got these gifts and talents, obviously, that you've discovered and you're enhancing, but how is it going to come through you and out to, and in our language, God's people? Or how are you going to be of service to anybody else? Do you want to write music? Do you want to speak about music? Do you want to, um, yes, do you want to compose? Do you want to write plays and be the musical backing? Or do you want to, you know, back into animations or jingles or how do you want to get this skill out of you and share with the world? We've got to make it mean something. And up until then, when we did the business courses, he was, you know, he had a T-shirt business for the time, while when he was looking at cars, we he was going to put a car show on. So we looked at the merchandise and how to sell those online and he did all sorts of things. And, and so he was already aware of getting things moving and out of, out of him. And so when he thought about, the the music like we talked to a university about business studies before then and he was on speakerphone and listened to that so we looked at what other study is in the realm of music what could he do when we did a business course uh at one location it was a college that offered different courses they were given a voucher to study there and he was probably oh, 13 and a half or 14 like and and so we thought maybe we can go back and use this voucher and so there was certificate three in music and at that college uh, they would only teach um, certificate three in the context of worship music and he said that's nice however I want to do more than that I want to do more different music as well so we then went certificate three sounds good let's go to the technical college the TAFE that we call here in Australia so the TAFE college 
So we enrolled in TAFE at 15. We got special exemption um, for him to enter TAFE at 15 mm-hmm. to do the Certificate 3 in music. So that's that's his story and he's gone on to do um, to do uh, JMC, which is a creative university, and um, doing the subjects there he likes, taking a leave of absence at the moment, getting some work experience, paid work experience as, you know, events, as part of events team and learning more skills needed for the future yeah. and, you know, now he's 18 and we'll see what where he's at now. He's currently in the work, workplace deferred from, from uni and next year's a different story. So mm-hmm. an ongoing story. And Joshua, he just turned 15 and he's at TAFE doing 3D design now because he liked something small, so he's doing 3D design, media mm-hmm. studies, yeah. media and screen studies as well. And he looks like he may go to JMC as well. He's getting his portfolio together and will be at JMC at 16 as well. So that's a year earlier than Matt was at, at JMC doing a oh. Bachelor of Creative Arts. So you don't need school, ladies and gentlemen, but mothers. Mm. You know, there's many pathways to further college. You don't even need further education. And this is this is a thing. Matthew may never go back to university. Remember, he's a neurodiverse kid. He may never go back. Yeah. He can. But I've been open and, and that may freak some parents out in that, what, he's not completing it? There's attrition there. And, of course, I check from all different angles what is going on. Is he avoiding something and stepping up? Can I support him to step mm-hmm. up? Um, to to be brave and do this or is he there because I've <laughs> when a child comes back to you and say but mom this is how you've brought us up I only want to do songwriting and the performance part and learn how to write songs that's all I want to do there so there's another unit in that that's why he may go back but he may never finish mm-hmm. it and I'm okay with that yeah. because yeah if he can learn what he wants to learn that he feels as part of his purpose, if he can learn that anywhere else, online or whatever, he can learn it there. But so far he's found that that is actually the best place. So he can go there, pick those subjects. Now, when he goes back, he may find an interest in something else or do the internship. But this is where oh, the listeners can't see me point here to it is all about change maker teens global is all about ease and moving onward with ease. Doesn't mean it's always got it's easy or you avoid the hard stuff. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. So it's the path of least resistance. So to get to where he wants to go. So and in, I'll, I'll, I think we might be speaking later on about in the context of you know, being the change maker what that's what mm-hmm. that's all about. So um, yes. that's how I got, you know, basically knowing lots of people at outings, lots of mums came to me and said, your boys are doing so well, how do you do it? My boy's doing this, my girl's doing this, they're showing signs of apathy or rejection or I set them work together to do and there's deception, they actually don't do that work. How, how, do, you, how do you do it when, when there's apathy, deception, rejection? I got all sorts of, of um, concerns and almost complaining about children and their teens, and they're driving me crazy and whatever, what do I do? And um, so I added that to my coaching <laughs> repertoire and <laughs> found out who had change maker teens 
mums.com because I had changemakermums.com and here I am coaching mums of teens. So I uh, investigated that and, and moved forward forward with that. Hmm. And we are ever so grateful that you did <laughs> indeed. And thank you for sharing that story of your boys. And I, I love, you know, seeing their exploits when you, you know, post on Facebook about what the kids are up to and, and, uh, and how they're progressing and what they're achieving. And I know it certainly helped me shift my own perspective on the fact that my kids had to finish high school and they should go to university and that that was that was the only pathway because I didn't know prior to talking to you I didn't really understand what the alternative pathways were um and you know for my younger one who was also um neurodiverse as we discovered was part of the issue with with him um school was coming to me and going he can't be here anymore we can't help him we can't support him here's a brochure, go to TAFE, go somewhere else. But it was sort of like we can't expel him, we can't not have him, but we'd like you to take him somewhere else. And we'll do that by making it really unpleasant for him to be in this learning environment. So it was challenging as a parent to kind of go, what else? Like what are my other options? Um, Because homeschooling wasn't something that I felt I was equipped to do. Um, you know, I had a job, I was busy and, you know, how was I going to do that? So exploring alternative options. But I think one of the biggest changes that I learned out of working with you, and I think it's one of your pillars about, you know, be, be you for, for these teens is, and it can be challenging for our kids to start. It's challenging for grown-ass adults. Sometimes we don't even know who we are and what's important to us and who the real us is. But our teens, as they're in that phase of being told who they should be and they've got parental expectations and societal expectations and peer pressure and all of this that comes down on them, to turn around and actually ask them to consider, what do you actually want to do? What is your purpose? What lights you up? What feels like the authentic version of you and one of the key takeaways that I I learned with you was how do I also encourage you know if I'm all about following my intuition and listening to myself and letting my intuition and be my my truth and my my guidance system and yet I'm telling my kids what they have to do and that when they say to me but I don't want to do that we 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 hear it as defiance or rejection or apathy when in fact it's actually them saying that's not me so how do we let our kids have the opportunity to figure out who they are and put aside what society tells us our kids should do what we've thought our kids should do because you know as a parent I was like well my kids are going to finish year 12 and they're going to go to university and that is not up for discussion well, guess what? Neither of my kids, one finished year 11 and then went, I don't want to do school anymore, Mum, I want to do this TAFE course. And then we were within days of starting the TAFE course and he goes, actually, that's not what I want to do either. I don't know what I want to do and I'd rather not commit to something that I know is not it and just go explore life. He's now nine months into being an apprentice chef um, and loving it Um and, you know, I this is a kid who, you know, his idea of gourmet was fancy baked beans on toast. Now, now he's like cooking fancy stuff. And then the other one, we took him out of mainstream school. He did 
um, I guess, a hybrid home learning slash virtual school model for almost a year. And then just went, you know, I don't even, just don't even want to do school at all anymore, Mum. It's not, it's not what I want to do. So we've actually, uh, when he turned 17 a, couple, a month or so ago, we've completely unenrolled him from any formal school or learning environment um, here in Victoria. And you know what? He works with his brother at the restaurant a couple of days a week. He's got actually three part-time jobs and he's learning how to deal with people, figure himself out. And he's going to come to me one day and go, I think I might like to try this. And we're going to go, okay, cool. Let's go give that a try. And then if he does that for a year and goes, nah, that's not it. And he comes back and goes, no, I want to try this. We're just going to let them keep trying. And I had to get over my own sense of shame of my failure as a parent that neither of my kids finished high school. Both of my children are high school dropouts. Neither have gone on to any kind of formal education and one of them's just got no clue what the hell he wants to do with his life. And yet I'm so okay with that. Now. How do we help? <laughs> now. Now, yeah. oh, my God, it was like I would never have believed that I'd be like, just do what Ems do, like, you know, seriously. And it's not that I don't care. But he needs to figure out who he is and what lights him up so that he actually is allowed. It's like I'm giving you permission to find yourself, find your purpose, find your meaning. Why is that important to kids at at that age? That it's not like we're telling them just do whatever you want to do and, hey, if you want to do nothing, that's fine too. We're not letting them, you know, slack off. So why is letting them figure themselves out in their teen years important? And what boundaries or guidelines or guide rails, whatever we want to call it, are appropriate, if any? Yeah, great questions. And uh, I love um, now that I just got received a little update on on your boys. So that's all great to hear. It <laughs> lights my heart up knowing that they're they're on they're on their path, which is great. And and yet that same bit of audio there that you've you know your listeners are listening to might freak them out. They go, "What? There's no way, no way they won't make it in the world if they don't do this, this, and this." Because that's all we know. And and so you you're right about that. You know that that you, we as parents can experience shame or. Uh, failure, like what have I done? I failed my kids because, you know, I was interviewed not long after we came, probably 12 months after we came out of of, um, traditional or if you want to say industrial education, I was interviewed uh, by ABC TV and she asked me, do you think you've done the right thing? Are Are you doing the right thing taking the kids out of school? And I said... Well, firstly, I paused and I thought, well, right thing. Well, what is the right thing and whose job is it to think what is the right thing? But uh, but my immediate, I paused and yet then my immediate response after that pause was I could have them at school where they were and wonder if I'm doing the right thing as I see them struggle, as I see, you know, the effort being mm-hmm. high but the grade being low or the grade being 
you know, okay, you know, that's the other thing. The youngest one, the grade, like, for example, the grade was okay in in maths, like it was the A+, except his effort, he wasn't really doing much. His effort, I remember him coming home one day and he got angry with his dad for for, um, helping him so much on his his spelling test because he realised he got got 9 out of 10 and he realized that he only actually needed five. So why did why did you work me so hard? You know, I only needed five. You know. <laughs> so, so do I let, you know, do we let them go through school not being their their actual best as well? So, you know, doing the right thing at school or home. So um so the guidelines, I think what what have I answered out of your questions and what's there still to answer out of out of that? You know, I, I know there's guidelines. So, yeah. Yeah. So how do, how do we create guide rails? So, you know, as a parent, uh, you know, and to your point about how do I know I'm doing the right thing? Great question, full stop. <laughs> you know, I would sometimes see, will my kids come back to me in five or 10 or 20 years' time and say to me, why did you let me do that? Why didn't you make me finish school? You know, or they'll be saying, I regret that I didn't finish school and I didn't go to university and I didn't do whatever. And I'm like, you know what, we'll worry about that when it happens. Yeah. We'll worry about that when it happens because I can't I can't let a potential future worry be the determining factor of a real life situation that I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. Which is that I have got a child who it didn't lack in intelligence. It wasn't that there was an intellectual deficit that we were dealing with here. There was, and he liked learning. He just didn't like that style of, of learning. So I guess the other part of the question was, you know, so we're not we're not basically giving kids a free pass to do whatever they want to do. No, where no. it's it's still structured, but it's it's not free ranging, right? We're not just going, yeah, hey, do whatevs. I don't care if you don't study at all. Yeah, it depends when you take your child out. There may be a little bit of just letting them be and doing uh, doing nothing for a while because that's what we call de-schooling. They have to unravel, you know, they might have been tied up like this big coil. You get a short, se- a brief sense of that when your child holds it together at school and then they fall apart when they get home. And so, you know, the teachers say, they're lovely at school, they're brilliant, doing all the right things, you know, sitting still, you know, going in twos in wherever they need to go to. <laughs> and then they lose it at home because they've held it together. Well, after years of that, then you bring your children out at, you know, if you start finding issues at, 13, 14, 15, and then they're not coping at school, um, there, there's two ways that you can think, well, do I lean in there and say, well, what's the issue at school? Is it a teacher or is it an environment? Is it the subject? Whatever. And if it really is, I'm just not coping and there starts to be school refusal as well, that they don't want to go to school. Um, and this, I'm speaking of experience teaching. Mine came out earlier than teens. But if they come out at teens and they're stressed and they're wound up, there is a time where they might just need to lay on the couch and just watch, um, you know, documentaries or think about what they're doing or whatever or just do what they love. And if it it does happen to be, and I get this all the time too, if it does happen to be uh, video games or YouTube, then be interested. 
what are you, what's, you know, not what are you doing, get off that, do something meaningful. Well, that could be meaningful. They're discovering. You know, it's really important in the teenage years um, that in the process of their realising who they are in their identity. So from from zero to seven, we're in the why stage. Why, you know, why are we here? What's, what's. So from seven to 14, we're in the what's life all about? You know, what what's going on? What's expected of me? Maybe a bit of, bit of that. What's my family structure? Where, you know, what, it, what does it mean to to do anything like in in generally in what when we're from 14 to 21 and there's plus or minus years there but 14 to 21 it's who who am I who are my friends who can I rely on who are my support and so when they're in school in these years it's like okay I have the who I need to be is although I want my hair long and black or red or green that's because I want to just be a bit free I've who I am is that I've got to have shortcut hair you know so many boys these days it happened to my younger one starts getting whiskers and be (laughs) be here early on at 14 (laughs) or so and and, um if he was in a private school he'd have to shave then but Mm -hmm. it's very natural why like Mm -hmm. it's very natural until he's ready you know, it's just let them be authentic and be them, be themselves. So mm-hmm. it's really important, um, especially when you look at statistics. And in, in the case of this um, this little interview, you know, maybe I come back another time. That um, who, maybe even the listeners, are you really feeling like you're on purpose? Is there something you wanted to do when you were younger and you're not doing now? Um, is there, like I ended up doing environmental science because my dad was a soil conservationist and mum was a librarian. So work experience, I tried the librarianship. I tried working for the government and going on a piggery and working outdoors. And dad took me to a information session, a, a uni information session, you know, those expos at 13. And I decided then, well, libraries were boring and I was falling asleep then. And I was, you know, (laughs) so I'm going to do, I'm going to work outside. So I'll do environmental science. And I decided that at, at quite a young age and ended up, ended up doing that. And only because I wanted to work outdoors. I didn't want to work in a library. So I must want to work outdoors. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. That's what I told myself that I love the outdoors. Well, it wasn't. It was, I want to be loved by daddy. I want to be loved by daddy because he'll yeah. be happy when I, <laughs> when I go to university and I study something that he's interested in and, and learn about environmental impact yeah. studies and, you know, learn about. I loved ecology, so, again, I justified that. And then the first year in I got high marks in hydrology and ended up then doing um, pollution and health. So I love that now in a way that I've you know studied and got a qualification in pollution and health. But was it what I wanted to do? No, no. You told me at no. the beginning. You told me at the beginning of this session when I was concerned about what I was going to say. You said you're a talker, Heidi. <laughs> you know, and a listener. <laughs> I am a listener, believe it or not, listeners. <laughs> um, and I love holding the space for people and 
reflecting back to them who they really are. And, you know, when I had one of my uh, jobs in as an environmental and safety manager in, in a theme park of all places, it was really good fun. Um, people used to say to me because of my investigation ability when incidents happened, they said, you should be a counsellor. You know, I got to the root cause of incidents and sometimes those root cause of incidents are what's happening at home with their husband or wife. You know, I just mm-hmm. kept digging to find out, well, okay, we, yeah. we better get you on the employee support program, whereas, you know, all other investigators were ended at work. Um, so, yes. yeah, so that that was... Um, that was part of it. So the boundaries, yeah, so there may be some de-schooling. Um, the other example I use when I'm speaking at, um, at homeschool conferences and education conferences and I speak about holding the space, I say, remember, I mean, some of you might be aware of the little golden book of, um, and it's the Tootle. I don't know. Do you remember Tootle? Um, look it up. It's a golden golden book in the golden series. And Tootle just love to get off the rails and go into the garden and got daisies in the wheels and, you know, ended up stuck. Yes. And so I always said to the boys that as a family we'll have tracks. We'll have tracks that because if you get off those tracks, you actually end up going anywhere. It could be a bit of fun for a while, but you get stuck. And so we always want you to have a base to come to and have some tracks. And however, on that track, you can be a steam train, a diesel train, a fast train, you a black train, a purple train, whatever. You choose Mm -hmm. what sort of train you want to be and where you want to go. But there are tracks. We're not even saying where these tracks need to go. And if we're going along here and we can always help you do the signal change and go along that way, you know, and move directions and go with the flow. But the tracks are definitely about being family orientated and rather than Mm -hmm. when you're finding your identity sometimes in a school environment, it's very peer orientated, especially if both parents work or the father's not there and you've got boys as well, it becomes very peer orientated. And and I read that in, um, what's his name? Um, who wrote the book Raising Boys? I read that when I when I had young boys, and and it actually uh, still bit, still bit, yes, um, yes. Yeah. So y- you having two boys would have read it too for sure. And it, <laughs> I've got all those books. <laughs> yes, and it's it's said in there that um, when they're teenagers, they will need they will move away from even father. They will move away or look away. Um, if they, especially if they don't have that close connection with with the family, they will look for other male mentors in their life. So set it up now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's why we did scouts. That's why we did basketball and looked for a male coach, so that by the time they got to that age, they had those male mentors. Youth, you know, we sent them to through through the church through the to the, to the youth groups. We didn't always attend church because we live church. However, they went to to youth group. Um, so. We had the tracks and the tracks are the family values and what's important to us and what we say is um, school is optional, learning is not. Okay, so school was optional, learning is not. And the other thing is that some things aren't very impressive but they're 100% useful. So... 
there was a while there that Josh wanted to be an engineer and he was looking mechanical engineer and he was going to build robots, you know, remember this inventor boy, then he started building rather than something small. Actually, I didn't finish that story about him early, and um, um, but I'll come back. So we, um, we looked at, uh, okay, so from an engineering perspective, you'll need to know this, this, and this. And he started going down that track and he learned some things that he didn't really want to learn, but because he wanted to go down there, that path, he learned it. And he had in his mind that some things aren't very impressive, but they're 100% useful to where he wants to go. Mm-hmm. And in the end, yeah. he's not going down the engineering path, but he learned some muscles. He strengthened some muscles and a belief in himself and confidence in himself. And, and he's one step closer to being future ready because he went through that pathway. So it's definitely not about letting them do whatever they, what, whatever they want, because, and yet it is, but I ask them from all different angles on, is this what you want? Is that what you want to do? Yes. So what, what, let's research what you need to do. Oh, that component. It's not really very impressive, but I know mum, but it's, it's useful. I'll do that. I'll dig in and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and then we look at how can we make that fun and, you know, what snacks we need beside us when we do it or whatever, (laughs) whatever, um, to get, to get through that, that component. Um, and they, and they would, you know, self, it goes from when we brought them home as youngsters, it was sitting beside them and doing work with them, then sitting a little bit further away. And it really felt like the classroom. Oops. It really felt like the classroom that I was on a on a desk and, you know, they were over there. But I got further away from them. They'd come and see me and we'd mark work. And and then, then they ended up um, individualised learning. So they would do it and I could be somewhere else in the house and they were doing that individualised learning. Then they would choose what they wanted to do. They liked this or that. So it was more self-directed learning as well. Now it's into self-directed career, like they're working out what they want to do. And then um, there was also the self-organisation. And we're at our kids for not being organised when they're in there, you know, right from young and we think you've got to get organised, get organised, you know. Uh, (laughs) That actually doesn't come, mums, mothers around the world. (laughs) That that starts in stages and they'll get it a bit, then they'll stuff up, then they'll get it a bit, then they'll stuff up. And, you know, by the time they're 16, 17, you know, they are pretty much organised if you hold the space for them and don't berate them when they don't. You just scaffold. That's the beauty of a neurodiverse diverse child, uh, that it's taught me scaffolding skills and, and now I can teach other mothers how to scaffold and hold the space and be patient with them. Um, and when it presses buttons to breathe and to be the change, to be the change. And at the same time, I think when you first came to me, Marg, we thought it was all about your son and and then we realised that you could be the change too because so you find out who you are again because, you know, we mothers lose ourselves um, along the pathway through whatever reason, you know, relationships, you know, work, work pressures um yeah it's all in your book absolutely from busy to happy it's all in that that chapter on where you came from and how you found yourself again 
So being clear on what you want for your children is definitely, and most people want them to be responsible. So we have to be responsible. Go figure, you know. <laughs> you know, we have to. Yeah, imagine check. that. Imagine us actually yeah. modelling what we want our kids to be. Yeah. A couple of things I want to dive into a little um, more deeply with you on that. and But I think one of the things, you know, going back to you referencing, you know, when I first came to work with you, that a lot of my concerns or fears or anxieties around making decisions for um, my son's educational pathway wasn't actually about him. It was about me and my fears and how I thought people might judge me and how I thought that I should be doing something. And I had to actually, in conjunction with making some decisions for him and learning to, and we're going to talk about the phrase holding the space in a moment, how I could coach him through what he was going through, I realised that a lot of the anxiety that I had around it was actually about my own stuff, not about his stuff. His stuff was just about I hate school right now because I don't fit in here, not from a pop, you know, he was the most popular kid in school, but school is not the place that is helping me be my best learning self I was the one who was making it into the whole but what if you don't go to university and what if you don't get a good job and what if you don't and it was me playing out my own my own stuff Um, so while we explored how to help him be okay with what he was going through you that was when it was like okay (laughs) mum let's see what's going on for you with all of this and it was in working with you that I first heard this, this phrase, you know, of holding space or hold the space. And I now, I, I swear, every time I say it, I'm having a hearty moment in, in my head. <laughs> but maybe it's because I, I, I move in different circles and I have different conversations now. But somebody actually said to me only quite recently, oh, I'm sick of that phrase. Like it's like everybody is using that phrase, hold the space, hold the space. What do we actually mean by hold the space and holding space for somebody? Mm. I, um, yeah, great, great, great question. And as I said, this is this is what I am becoming very much known for in holding the space for my own boys and and teaching it. And what it what it actually is is, oh my goodness, unconditional love. You know, unconditional. We're meant to love our children and what about if we treated others like we treat ourselves and that's to be respected but there's so much stuff um, that parents can justify as love in fact you would have wanted your children to have the best life and go to university and be paid more and whatever because they went to university because you love them you know you know it's not because you wanted to yes. torture them <laughs> so no. we can, no we can we can justify anything um, or we do however then that isn't the true definition of of unconditional love and there's so much it's a little bit like uh, the word God, uh, love, there is so much stuff on, especially with teenagers, you know, you're meant, meant to have a girlfriend at this age, your boyfriend at this age, not, you know, what is love? If you loved me, you would do this. And love has just been spoilt, if you like, 
in meaning, you know, if we loved each other, we would do this. So rather than describing holding the space as love or unconditional love, which indeed it is with the true definition. However, what we can say is a word that I'm yet to be challenged and maybe you will now and maybe your listeners will contact us and challenge the word, but appreciation doesn't seem to have as much stuff on it. So more than gratitude or thanks that we've got these gorgeous children, it's really appreciating another human being. You know, if we have a disaster, if Australians or anywhere in the world, if there's a disaster, we all come together. And right from a young age, I wondered, why do we all come together and help each other in a disaster? Why don't we actually do that and come together and create community when life's good? Yes, <laughs> you know, yes. we, we, we've realised through the last few years how important community and connection is. Yes. So why don't we do that in the good times and really appreciate each other and support each other? So, so if we appreciate somebody for being themselves and for being who they are you want the best for them and it's actually not about us adults particularly want to look good be right and know look good be right and know my coaching mentor told me this back in 2001 and when you think about that how do we actually learn anything well we may not look so great you know if you think even about learning to walk we might fall over and stumble you know it doesn't look that crash hot you know or if anyone's gone through a rehabilitation you know you go through some you know they're learning to walk again and we stumble and don't look that great you don't want to be caught on video so look good be right how do we learn well sometimes we're wrong some you know you learn even you learn even the correct times tables when you get it wrong sometimes, you know, and you keep on learning. And look good, be right, and know. Well, you know, sometimes we don't know. And this is also yeah. where we learnt and you learnt by being the change to appreciate you and yourself and to, yeah, be be that change and you know, look good, be right, and know, and that meant be gentle with yourself that sometimes you don't know the right path for your sons, but, you know, or your daughters, your daughters for the fellow listeners, you know, um, they do. They do. Believe it or not, they do. And another way of determining the, the pathway and the boundaries, so usually when it doesn't feel good, we're we're on the wrong path you know and then you can lean in and say well what can I learn here and you move over so your true calling I often say to mothers and um, you might be using it with your fellow queens now too and and um, to my boys even hand on your heart I can't tell you if if if, you know if if you're not ready for work today or if you don't want to do do that hand on your heart Like, are you meant to grow and learn from this and go and do that? Or is it really something you need to avoid and therefore have the conversation around that so that everyone's okay with that choice? So hand on your heart what's right for you. And that's tuning in. So really what I do, don't tell anyone, I help mums connect to themselves and I help the mums help the teens connect to themselves. It's all about connection. You think it's about education and the change maker way and being yourself and all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's all of that and connecting, connection, connection to 
once you're yeah. there, once you've connected to yourself and helped your team mm-hmm. connect to them when they're finding out who they are through their identity stage, yes. not when they're 20 mm-hmm. or 30 or 40 or they've gone bankrupt or committed suicide or whatever, you know, that it's too late then. That when when we're forced yes. down a pathway or we force ourselves through a pathway because we think there's no other choice because when you've been going through the identity years, you, you know, and, and this is why there's sometimes... Um, you know, compliance to things when when it's actually not really what what people want to do, but it's it's yes. what we should do because we've always been told what we should do. And I can't think for myself because I've went through a schooling system, and where I've been told what to think. And that's a generalisation. And there's some great teachers out there. I don't want to admonish any teachers or anything. Um, you know, and I've got a teacher that I still remember, Mrs. Prenner. If you're out there, Mrs. Prenner, you taught me how to study. Yes, great. You taught me how to rope learn, but you also helped me believe in me. So um, we've all got a favourite teacher, you know. And mm-hmm. Sister Deborah, yes. a nun. Boy, I've got some nun stories that are pretty horrific. However, I've got a story of a nun that taught me to meditate and, re, you know, relax. So Fabulous. we've all got great teachers. Um, yeah. And that was my path, that was your path, and it's all good. We're not regretting anything. And we could choose again with our own children as they identified, or we helped them identify who they are mm-hmm. and held, yeah. held that yeah. space. We loved them unconditionally. We appreciated that they've got a voice as well. And I can tell you, we've only yes. got five minutes, but we've got, I've got another story <laughs> that I found out. Um, when um, I was, <clears throat> is it okay if I share? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, it, it, it's kind of a COVID story and some people may agree or not agree, but basically uh, an incident happened when I was still working out. I think, you know, when COVID first happened, I brought vegetables home and I was washing them all down and wiping them all down and everybody thought it was only a short-lived thing and still working out what? Mm-hmm. I need to scan here, I need this QR code and I don't understand, you know, just allow me to be and I'll be careful, I'll wash my hands and <clears throat> And I went into a chemist and um, I was picking picking up something for my eyes, eye wash or something or, or I don't know what it was. But I went in and um, I asked them to find something for me and it was all good. No one said anything to me. I went back in, in the supermarket next door. I came back in and somebody was at the door and they said, you've got to use the QR code. And I said, hang on, I was just in here. I'm just picking up something. It's all good. You know, it was just like on the fly just talking to another human being, I'm just going to pick up. All of a sudden there were seven people around me, the chemist, you know, the actual head chemist, all the workers, the ladies on the other, three men, just happened to be three men and I'm not, this is not a bash at men at all, but there were three men waiting in the queue to pick up their things and they all started yelling at me, come on, lady, you know, scan it, you know, scan I'm going, well, I'm just here quick, I don't need to, like, I don't understand. I didn't. I don't think I even had the app and whatever. It was early days, mm-hmm. and there was no yeah. issue. Remember, there was no issue the day before. And like my son's neurodiverse, and maybe there's a tendency to get some of that from me. I don't know, but I didn't appreciate. I've never experienced so many people. I'm a peaceful, loving human being, like born in the '60s, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and I was quite surprised. And what disappointed me most with that afterwards, once I left there shaking, that those gentlemen are probably fathers. 
and they were yelling at me and they were judging me and no one was holding the space for me and if they would just stop yelling I could work something out and probably do what they're asking me to do. Uh, My scientific brain wanted to actually know why and all of that. It was early days. And so I leaned into that thinking that I've got 10 keys for changemaker communication and one of the keys is pretty much looking at things as an outside observer but it can be, I don't word it like this when I send the keys out, but the first one really is that it's all good or it's all love and and there's a learning in everything pretty much, but it's not quite worded that way. So, um, you know, I can share those keys as in, in a, on a later date. But I leaned into it near the car. I leaned in and going, what was that all about? If that was meant to be good, what was <laughs> what was I meant to learn from that? And, and I, yeah, come on. I'm quite intuitive. I received the words, do what you do with some clients once uh, sometimes and ask that question on a scale of zero to 10, zero to 10. And then, and then the words came actually the content of what I needed to ask. And so on a scale of zero to 10, how much was I allowed to be me then? Did the community allow me to be me, even speak? even to explain, even to feel like how many people held the space for me then to be me and allowed me to be me and I got and 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 in general how many, what's the percentage out of 10 that we allow each other to be themselves, to be themselves, to be you, to be you, 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 you listeners. What do we allow in the community? And I got... Two out of ten. Two out of ten. And that was horrific to me. This was like, oh, my gosh, Heidi, you better hurry up and do what you're born to do with these mothers and teenagers because if you help those leaders, the the leaders and these teenagers coming through, yes, there's hope still for the younger ones, but we need the teenagers now because they're going to grow up, you know, the – older population is is you know who hasn't lost a loved one you know there's many people at least if you know who's somebody who's lost one or more loved ones over the last three years so we need these teenagers growing up and being leaders of the world with great values that will hold the space that will appreciate other people and get the you know the wisdom that we're all born to do. We are all change makers. Who's a change maker? Everybody's a change maker. And I wish I could call it yes. change allowers. I wish I could call my business change allowers, but I don't think the community is ready for it. But, you know, it's allowing us to create the change we are born to do. And I stand for rising to to I, I stand for backing you to rise as mothers and to for your teens to rise and be the change maker you were born to be, you are born to be, not were born to be, you are born to be. And uh, we've got to change that two out of 10 figure. It's, it's, yeah. And hopefully, you know, that was 12 months ago or 18, nearly two years ago. That's what, you don't have to read my book anymore. Um, You know, the one, um, the women changing the world that (laughs) you've bought and I've still never sent it to you, sweetheart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the story. What I've just shared there. That's the story yes. in my chapter yeah. about the two out of ten. And I may have shared it with you before one on one. I'm not sure. Yes. You know, and that's if we use that as a metaphor, that 
when our children are unintentionally, you know, let's let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt. There's very few people that wake up and go, do you know what, I am going to intentionally be horrible, nasty, disobedient, belligerent, disengaged and a shitty human being today. Very few people. It might feel like your teenager does that, like they lie in bed in the morning and go, ha, like what can I do to piss my parents off and my teachers off today? They don't. Like if they you've don't. raised nice, nice kids, that's not what they do. And then their cognitive function takes over and they make stupid mistakes and they don't think about stuff and they answer back because they're trying to assert themselves be themselves and then we come in with our parenting stuff and this is not excusing because we come back to your values right what are our family values you know and for us it's about love honesty and respect so when you talk to me in a shitty tone I'm sorry where's that value of respect coming out there yeah. But I'm going to still let you express yourself. You just need to do it in a respectful way. But when we come at our children or each other, as happened to you in that pharmacy, and the moment somebody expresses themselves in a way, which is often just them seeking some clarity about what's going on, they get shut down because you should know this and just do this and just, and we can get quite kind of hyper and aggressive at trying to get people to do what we want them to do and see our point of view. And then, you know what it's like, we kind of like, well, well, well hang on a second. I'm just, like, well, if you could just stop yelling at me for a second, I could actually process this and I could get my words out in a functional way. And you'd realize that we're actually on the same damn page I'm just asking one thing so that I can get my head around it and then, ah, okay, I get it. I see how this or how I belong in this situation and now I can go and be that version of of myself that is important to me, not the version of me that you tell me I should be. Yeah. Now, if we let our kids, I look at this one and go, if we let our kids, our teens figure that out within the safe confines of the family environment, and they learn how to respectfully and um, safely navigate their own thoughts, how they learn to safely and respectfully get curious and explore. Decisions and choices. And they know and, yeah, make decisions and choices and, and have that safety net, which is not I can do whatever I want to and mum and dad will clean up my mess. Mm-hmm. But I can, I have space created for me to explore, to be curious, to lean into something, to give it a try. And if I fail, fail in inverted commas, that's okay because my the love and approval that I have from my parents is not conditional on me succeeding or being or doing a certain thing, which I think creates, I know for my kids, it gives them permission you know what, you want to give it another try? Give it a try. If it doesn't work out, whatever, let's go give something else a try. What did we learn from it? Yeah. And it might even teach you what you never want to do again in your life. You know, <laughs> my son, before he, you know, became an apprentice chef and he didn't become an apprentice chef, he started out just washing dishes in this restaurant a year, almost a year ago, had spent a year being a sw- an assistant to a swimming pool tiler. You know what that taught him? He's not a tradie. manual labor is not his thing i could have told him that but he needed to go and experience that for himself so yeah 
he now knows that that's not his pathway, is chefing it. It is for now until it's not. And then when it's not, it'll be something else. And that's okay too. You know, is my 17-year-old son going to work at Woolies packing shells forever? I don't know. And if he does, fine. If he's happy. That's fine too because he's happy in their space. And so many mums I talk to you go, what is your greatest desire for your children? I just want my kids to be happy and healthy. Part of that is letting them be themselves. But I think one of our challenges is, and you alluded to this earlier, as mums, we don't even know who we are. The fact that there are so many women who don't know who they are is the main reason that you and I have a job, lady. (laughs) And our greatest joy. Yeah, and my my biggest joy. Yep. Let's make ourselves redundant. You know, if yes. we met help, help all, I would love there to be no such thing as coaches needed and go back, you know, I'm being described as the, as the wise woman in the tribe who listens to your, to listens to your mind, has a conversation with your mind, but listens to your soul. You know, we need to get back to those people in yes. the community because I'm not the only one where yes. there's one many you know that have a conversation yes. in mind listen to your soul but we've got to get a permission to connect to ourselves to do that and then we don't need yes we don't we don't need coaches and you know I don't of course I'm in, enjoying having a business and being paid to support my family <laughs> and all of that that's great that's great and when I'm not being paid as a coach there'll be something else there'll be something else yeah there, there will be, you know, and my greatest joy is when a woman actually starts, when she has that first awakening and that first light bulb moment of who she is and then she starts to get permission, she gives herself permission to show up as that regularly in small ways and she and then she gets brave enough and bold enough and then, oh, like that's why we do it. But then the transformation that then happens is, when she knows herself and when she's connected to herself, how she then shows up in every area of her life, including how she parents. Yay. Yeah. That's that's what happens. And then the permission that you give your children mm. yeah. to be themselves happens as well. We've got a whole entire other conversation to have about connection to self. So we will come back and do another episode on that absolutely because that's an entire episode all by itself and, and one of my favourite, favourite, favourite conversations. If if our listeners want to know more about Heidi and Changemaker Teens and how to be a Changemaker mum, where are they best to go and find out some more information about you, Heidi? The best place actually is where mothers hang out and mainly, and not all mothers, but Changemaker Teens on Facebook. So you'll find uh, that and it's really highlighted as alternative alternative education for Changemaker Teens. From there, you can join a free group where we talk about uh, strategies and um, the three pillars, being yourself, holding that space and alternative education offer lives in there and, you know, you can go on and, and join another group and learn actually more how to do this and be the coach. And I'll be looking for coaches in the future too because I can't keep up with the work. So once you've gone through the program, <laughs> you can actually become one of my coaches as well. So, yeah, just so Changemaker Teams, there is a website, not exactly what I do anymore. It's a little bit of it, but definitely um, 
on Facebook. I'd love to see you there and message me anytime, ladies. We will put the link to that Facebook group into the show notes. Um, so, folks, you can head to the show notes, find those details for Heidi. Oh, my love, it's been so beautiful to have this conversation with you. It's taken me back to some some days that at the time were pretty stressful and horrible and I'm like 18 months on from that very first call with you where I'm sure I just blubbered like a baby and told you how shit my life was um, to, to be sitting where I am today and have my kids in the space that they are in because... I had a conversation with you 18 months ago. Um, I I appreciate you, Hardy Conway. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, <laughs> yeah, you've done so well. You've done so well. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here with your queens. Oh, it's very exciting. <laughs> you, I, I did think you were so brave to, to actually state what we all – we all need to be as the queen of our own universe. We can create our own life. You know, you can create your life and that's what you're guiding your mothers and, and women um, from all areas to do. So, yeah, well done. Well done. Probably. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, we will organise a time to have another conversation. Thank you for listening to Living the Queen Life podcast. You can join in on the conversation at Queen of My Own Universe on Facebook, Queen of My Own Universe 1 on Instagram, or visit the website at www.queenofmyownuniverse.com. Please join me again soon, and in the meantime, keep on living your best queen life.